0: And since I bought my 2016 F-150 truck, the list of standard amenities that make a truck feel like a luxury vehicle have only grown. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. What is Halloween? Where did it come from? When did people start asking for candy? When did people start performing tricks?
1: When did it become an excuse for grown women to dress like porn stars? All of this answered on a very informative and hopefully equally entertaining episode. Shove work up your ass. It's time for Time Suck.
0: You're listening to Time Suck.
1: All right, let's start with the origins of Halloween. Like, is it, as I heard growing up, uh, satanic? And, and, and quick note, I don't want to turn this podcast into like a constant knock against or, or even reference to Christianity. But when you're talking about the the history of things, which uh, I don't consider this to be a historical podcast. I know it's kind of leaned that way so far, but but we could get into totally different time sucks that have nothing to do with, you know, digging back into history going forward. Who knows? I, I think, but I think, you know, a fair amount of info when you want to learn about it, you got to learn about the history of it. But when you're talking about history, especially in this country, you know, Christian references are almost impossible to avoid. So yeah, it's just you know it just kind of has shaped our culture, so it's just probably going to come up a fair amount, so if that bugs you, man, well, maybe this isn't uh, your podcast, but I, but I hope you can let it go but but as far as is Halloween uh satanic in origin, the quick answer is no it, it's not satanic uh, it's pagan, which w- where I grew up uh was a word that was kind of synonymous with satanism, but that's just that's not true so let's start off by kind of defining paganism. Uh, to be pagan, as defined by Merriam-Webster, uh, is to be heathen, is to be a follower of polytheistic religion, like uh, ancient Rome, you know, multiple gods, or one who has little or no religion and who delights in sensual pleasures and materialistic goods, like an irreligious or hedonistic person. Uh, Google has its own definitions now, and Google defines pagan as a person holding religious beliefs other than those of the main world religions. So, I mean, that's, that's a really, really wide-open definition. So basically, if, if you live in ancient Rome, and you're and you you either Christian, Jewish, Muslim, or, or you are pagan, and by that definition, the origins of Halloween are pagan, in that they are not, uh, if you go back far enough, founded in Christianity or any other major religion. Uh, so here's what I found. So I, I didn't know this, you know, I think I had heard that maybe there was something Celtic about Halloween, uh, whisperings of that, but I never, you know, bothered to look it up until now. So basically the the roots of Halloween can be traced, uh, you know, almost all historians agree to the ancient Celtic celebration of Samhain, uh, spelled like Samhain, but uh, Samhain, uh, and this celebration can be traced back to Ireland, like parts of Wales, Britain, parts of Western France, even other little spots in kind of uh, continental Europe over two thousand years ago, but primarily in the in the british isles and, and it 's hard to pin down exactly when it started and exactly what traditions there were because the the celts weren't recording their history in written form at that time and that 's a big problem I noticed with history in in general. Is that there were only certain civilizations that were like we need to fucking write this shit down because uh, dickheads are going to be googling it, you know, uh, in the future to provide free qu- quasi-informative podcasts. You know, <laughs> like they were just they were just living their lives. You know, a lot of these civilizations were you know you know had like you know towns and and rulers and hierarchies, but they they didn't feel the need for for books. You know, probably because uh, they didn't have paper. So, you know, I'm sure that was a huge pain in the ass to, like, uh, you know, to get the job of, you know, chiseling shit into rocks. You know? And then, and then before you can chisel shit into rocks, you got to come up with an alphabet. You got to... Just because you can speak doesn't mean, you know, you have to have a written language. And and unfortunately, like, the, the ancient... cells, that's, that's why there's all, like, this mystery about it. It's like the druids and stuff. People, like, get all fucking mystical because they don't know exactly what they did. They probably didn't do anything... Fucking special, sadly. <laughs> I know some people listening right now. No, no, they were magical. I, I played D anD D, and druids were cool characters. Yeah, they, they just didn't write stuff down. So, uh, in, in this sense, with the uh, Sawin, hard to exactly pinpoint when this festival started. But we do know that like, there was an oral tradition, as a lot of these ones were. It was passed down. We 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 do know as much as we can know without going back in a fucking time machine that there was uh this 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 festival this celebration and then uh and when the romans and other empires in the first few centuries of ad they came over and uh they kind of erased most of celtic culture from mainland europe and then they kind of limited it to the british isles and especially ireland those were kind of like the last strongholds of celtic culture you know for the most part uh, and and that's why this this festival is most strongly identified as a, as a kind of an Irish Celtic tradition today. So we're just going to focus on that for, for this podcast. So Seween, it was one of four. And by the way, this stuff was written down eventually, because when the early missionaries in the first few centuries A.D. went over there, they did kind of like document the local, quote unquote, pagan practices. So, you know, once you get into like, you know, second, third century A.D., there, there are some written, you know, like references to this stuff. And so, okay, so I'm gonna explain it a little better here. The Samhain, it was one of the four Gaelic, Gaelic being synonymous with Celtic, uh, seasonal festivals, along with uh, Imolg, uh, also called St. Bridget's Day, uh, which was a Gaelic traditional festival marking the beginning of spring. There was Beltine, uh, or Beltane, an anglicized name for, for the Gaelic May Day, most commonly observed on May 1st, uh, about halfway between spring equinox and summer solstice. And then there was uh, uh, Lunese. It's fucking, it's the most fucked up looking word. It's L-U-G-H-N-A-S-A-D-H. Big fans of consonants, apparently, the, the Celts. Big fans of consonants. Um, that was the Gaelic Festival marking the beginning of the harvest season. So again, you know, kind of a, a little uh, summary recap. You got Emolg, February 2nd. That's the first stirrings of spring. You got Beltane, May 1st. Traditionally, at that time, first day of summer in Ireland. You got fucking Lugie whatever that word is, it says it's lunese. Um, it's, okay, lunese, that's how I'm going to say it from now on. Maybe some fucking Celtic historian listening to this podcast will it's, it's pronounced actually, actually, it's pronounced lunese, or I don't know, however you fucking Lucky Charms people talk. That's so direct. Why did I say that? But sorry, I, I, uh, I'm part Irish. I do love Irish people, but my whenever I think of your accent, I do think of the thousands of times I saw the Lucky Charms commercial as a kid. Frosted Lucky Charms, the Magically Delicious. That's the only Irish thing I can say. Okay, so that's August 1st, uh, marks the beginning of the harvest season. And then Saween, uh, which is uh, October 31st, there we go, a little Halloween reference, uh, through November 1st. It marks the end of the harvest season and the beginnings of winter. So it started like sundown the 31st and goes through uh, the, the, the day of November 1st. So it was kind of like, you know, Saween Eve almost was the night before. And it was, it was, the festival went a long time. And these four, along with uh, – there was four other pagan occasions, each kind of halfway in between one of the ones I just mentioned. And they make up the, the wheel of the year, and that was how the ancient Celts divided up their calendar. And, it was, and all of them have to do essentially with the harvest. And uh, as you can tell, you know, it didn't have anything to do with demons. It had to do with crops which was super important uh, in the days before grocery stores. You know, welfare, canned goods, freezers. You know, you have a great harvest. Uh, you lived back, back in, uh, you know, B.C. and early A.D. Ireland. You know, you have a bad harvest. Uh, you lost your military. I mean, they had a fucking the potato famine. That, that wasn't that long ago, a couple hundred years ago. You know, a lot of people died then. You know, you take it back another 15, 1,600 years, a lot of people died. When the crops, you know, Nana didn't make it if he didn't have enough taters. And so it made sense to take it fucking seriously. And that's why they built uh, this whole calendar around it. You know, and, th- and that's what they did. And uh, on Samhain on Eve at midnight, they, they celebrated and worshipped. And, worshiped. and uh, it says, you know, various articles, clans or local villages would, would begin the formal ceremonies of Sween by They'd light a giant bonfire. They'd gather around it, dance, burn crops, animals, sacrifices to Celtic deities, Uh, As a method of giving gods and goddesses their kind of share of the previous year's herd or crops, and that was a fairly, I mean, that was a pretty common, some kind of sacrificial thing, you know, a a gift to the gods, you know, it was part of a a lot of different, you know, pagan uh, religions at the time, worldwide, and the sacred uh, fires were a big part of like kind of cleansing the old year, a method to prepare for the coming new year. Yeah, I, OK. Yeah, sure. I, I get it. And, and during all of uh, the celebrating, they did wear uh, costumes and danced around the bonfire. A uh, quick note on that. Some historians don't think the Celts wore costumes or masks for the celebration of Selwyn Eve. However, most do. Again, this goes back to not having uh, them written this stuff down. So I'm going to go with the for this, the I'm going to side with the majority of historical public and opinion and that they did wear masks and costumes. And they told stories and played out cycles of life and death, uh, commemorated, you know, like this whole wheel of life. And, and most historians believe they wore the costumes for three primary reasons. And the first was to honor the dead who were allowed to rise from the other world. And this is, you know, they believed, you know, which kind of makes sense where it's like seasonally. If you think about it, you know, it's the end of the harvest. It's, you know, you're going to live or die based on your crops. You're, you're getting through the summer and fall season. You're going into winter Winter is when most people died back then. A hard winter, you know, was one of the greatest predators of the ancient world. And it makes sense that they kind of associated this particular festival uh, with the kind of the worlds of the dead and the world of the living, like having like the thinnest barrier between them. You know, it's like, and, and so that, you know, it makes sense, again, following the harvest and crops that it makes sense to not only honor... The, the food, but to honor those who had passed on. And they believed that souls were set free from the land of the dead during this eve. Uh, they believed, that, again, that the barrier between the living world and the dead world was the thinnest this night. Uh, they believed that souls that had been trapped in the bodies of animals. Who, who the fuck knows where that came from? Were released by the Lord of the Dead, sent to the new incarnations, and so they would wear costumes that signified the release of these souls into the physical world. And they also believed in, like, the, like the, these bad souls were out there, and they believed that not all souls were to be honored and respected. Some, you know, they should be feared, and some of these things would return from the physical world to destroy crops, you know, hide livestock, you know, haunt the living. And again, I think I think that's just you know, a, a kind of a common thing in a pre-scientific world. You know, in the in the major uh, religions have elements of of these kind of supernatural stuff, obviously, but you know, they uh, they don't know what goes on when you die. Not that we do now. We we don't know anymore. Actually, now. But they also didn't have science. They don't know why their crops do well sometimes and don't do well other times. They have no kind of deep agricultural knowledge. And, you know, that's a good reason for superstitions to be born. So right, They think that bad, bad, uh, you know, spirits can fuck up your corn for next year or whatever, whatever they're growing. And uh, so, yeah, so, so they would wear these masks also as a way to kind of like escape, to like hide from them. Which is, you know, seems kind of like childish today. (laughs) Like, okay, like the A, there could be a ghost, but B, you you could trick it by wearing a mask. But you know, I I think you always got to put this stuff in context. And genuinely, and this isn't like you just me being pretentious, you know. Today, genuinely, we're not as as smart back then. I mean, anybody, it it fucking annoys me when people look at history and they and they want to like go back, like you know, they they want to go Wiccan and they want to like honor the traditions of the ancient druids. Fucking, why would you do that? None of their traditions are going to be as good. Some people have this weird historical view that, like, they get into, like, this homeopathic-type shit, and they think that people had all the answers, you know, 3,000 years ago. You know, (laughs) like, when you go back to those holistic stuff. Maybe elements of that, but you know what? The scientific principle is that you learn from mistakes. You learn, like, it's idiotic to me to think that, any culture knew more a couple thousand years ago than we do now. No, because we're able to learn from their fuck-ups and build on that. So, uh, yeah, so they're going to have a lot of weird beliefs. And you know what I'm sure? in A thousand, two thousand years from now, people are going to look back at us and think there's a lot of dumb beliefs. What's not going to happen two thousand years from now is people living like they did, you know, five thousand years from then. That's, that's not going to happen. That's that's nonsense. Okay, final representation uh, was they wore the masks and costumes and method to honor the Celtic gods and goddesses of the harvest, fields and flocks, giving them thanks, homage, to those deities, you know, assisted the village, blah, 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 the previous year. And again, all these, all these beliefs were common to pagan people today. The, the Greeks had their, you know, good and bad gods, so did the Romans, you know, and so did this, the, the Celts. However, one misconception I found, uh, there's there no record that there was some kind of specific evil God specifically associated with Halloween itself. Like that it started off as some kind of, you know, weird tribute or recognition to some kind of evil, ominous God. That's there. That's nothing. That was, if anything, that was just um, a weird rumor that got perpetuated by kind of fundamentalist, you know, Christian kind of beliefs. There's there's no historical basis whatsoever for that. So, so then I, I wanted to know, like, wh- how did Halloween... Start getting associated with the occult or with evil, and basically here's here's how this is this is interesting to me. Uh, some way it really started to become or Halloween, excuse me, really started to become Halloween that we are familiar with uh, when Christian missionaries tried to change the religious practices of the Celtic people in the first few centuries AD. So back before missionaries such as you know Saint Patrick converted the Celts to uh, you know Christianity, the the Celts. Uh, practiced an elaborate religion to their priests, the druids, which I referenced before. Who, the druids were priests, poets, science, uh, scientists, scholars—you know, all in one. They were religious leaders, ritual uh, specialists—you know, like the shaman uh, of that uh, culture, bearers of learning. You know, again, long before they were just you know and a, a D character, they had some fucking cool magic, nature-based spells. Yeah, I used to play um, the druids uh they were yeah they were like the missionaries and monks who who were sent to you know christianize they were equivalent of the missionaries talking to them and and the uh, and the missionaries kind of you know branded them uh, as evil specifically because they weren't christian and that's a, and here's here's a note on this anytime early christians ran into a people who weren't already you know introduced to christianity or didn't have you know another major religion like islam or judaism they were just seen a, as heathen or pagan and anything they believed like any kind of religious belief they had was automatically by default associated with the devil. So, you know, they just had this logic where you either you either worship Jesus or fucking get back, Satan. Go on now. Get get Satan. You know, which which is so messed up. Like you could have the most peaceful belief ever, which some people people believe the Druids had, very nature-based. You like you could believe that we should all treat each other as delicate butterflies and, and gently and kindly and that everyone is equal. And it's humans' responsibility uh, you know, humanities to treat nature with the same respect we treat each other and, and that men are no more important than women and that a king is no more important than a peasant or a pauper and, and the missionaries would be like, uh, okay, yeah, that's all fucking great. But do you believe in Jesus and his book of bylaws? Nope. All right, buddy. Well, then hop on the woodpile and get ready to burn the stick, you fucking evildoer. Again, honestly, not trying to shit on Christians, but uh, I'm not going to ignore history and historically uh, fucking assholes. Uh, a lot of the time, like so, so much of the time, so much, so much evil done in the name of uh, peace. So anyway, they get the label. They get the label, and, and I think that's when, like, the dark associations of Halloween kind of started there, you know, in, in in a Christian culture. You know, pagan, it gets that weird word, pagan, pagan, pagan. It's funny, the more I learn about, like, paganism, again, it's so broad, it's the only thing, you know, uh, evil – quote-unquote, about it is that it's not Christian. Like, literally, that's it. You know? They're not out there drinking baby's blood. Okay. So h- how did Pope Gregory... Uh, th- this is interesting. This is how th- this guy, Pope Gregory, pops up, and he starts transforming uh, Sweeney into Halloween. And so so uh, the missionaries, they want to convert uh, the Celts to Christianity, but they but they don't want to completely destroy their traditions because if there was this famous edict in 601 by Pope Gregory the I. Uh, And basically what he did, he told his missionaries uh, that concerning, like, various native beliefs and customs of the people around the world they were trying to convert, rather than just obliterate, which was the the kind of default practice beforehand, rather than obliterate the local customs and beliefs, he was like, no, man, use them. And there's this example he uses, like, if a group of people worship a tree, rather than cut it down... Uh, consecrate it to Christ and allow its continued worship. So basically, like, yeah, you can still worship your tree, but your tree is now a Jesus tree. So, you know, <laughs> just like an, uh, kind of an interesting logic there. And in terms of spreading Christianity, like, this is brilliant. And, and, and it became like a basic approach of Catholic missionary work in the 7th century, you know, and, and a lot of church holy days that we have now have pagan roots, You know, like Christmas, for instance, was assigned the arbitrary date of December 25th because it corresponded with a lot of mid-winter celebration of many people. Like there's a reason, you know, that it's, yeah. As as opposed to, I think, this popular belief now is like, no, that's when when he rose, or whatever. Now that's Easter. But that's I'm sorry, that's his birthday. I get confused. That's his birthday. Uh, No. No, it's not. It was just, uh, so, sorry, but no. Um, you know St John's Day was, was on the summer solstice and the catholic uh, slash christian holiday they got kind of thrown in with suin to become halloween was all saints day uh, the catholics introduced all saints day in 609 AD you know long after Seween was established and it, and, and it has some big similarities with um Seween. Uh, It's celebrated on different days by different Christian denominations, but the the British Anglican Church, Roman Catholic Church, mainly like November 1st, and then it has its All Saints Eve the night before, just like Halloween, just like, you know, what's turned into Halloween. And um, Christians basically who celebrate All Saints Day and All Souls Day, as it's uh, also kind of known sometimes, uh, do so. It's, It's a fundamental belief that there is a prayerful spiritual bond between those in heaven, a.k.a. the dead, and those on earth, a.k.a. the living you know it's to pay tribute to the dead which clearly makes it a christian tradition strongly rooted in a pagan uh tradition and 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 uh and, and i think that's again that's why you get like this association of like skeletons and things and you know cemeteries strongly associated with halloween so there you go that is directly the reason cuz it was you know two different cultures and actually i think i'm going to get to it here in a second there's actually a third uh, Roman one that got merged in before it merged with the Catholic one, and they all have to do with death, and and that's why and, and you know like the souls and everything. In some sense, uh, again, the the end of the crop cycle, which is it, which is you know a vegetation death, uh, if you will, and that's why Halloween has you know the ghostly connotations that it does. And a little note, uh, despite this uh, this merger. Early representatives of the rival religion druids were considered evil worshipers of devilish or demonic gods and spirits followers of the old religion and this is i 'm going to bring this up because of uh, the, the association with witches with uh Halloween followers of the old religion went into hiding and were branded as witches and there's a verse in the bible i I saw it numerous times i didn't write it down for this podcast, but you know like banish witches or there's something something about like you know quote unquote witches are bad. And um, and then, you know, and witches, like early like you know, kind of books and things are always like seen out in the woods. and, and, and it all kind of comes out of this goes back to like these, these association with Celts and druids, where, again, because they were they kind of like worshiped nature and weren't really into nature, they were pagan. pagan was seen as evil. Uh, pagan got the label of witches. And so that's that's where this association of witches kind of you know comes into to Halloween, and then also like like modern Satanism latched onto Halloween, and 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 I think um, like uh, oh what's the guy's name the the guy who brought back um, Anton uh, Lavey, Anton Lavey he you know he brought back kind of modern Satanism, which really is just paganism. If you actually do analyze that, that would be a whole other podcast. But he, he they kind of latched on to Halloween too, and I, and I think they kind of did that, you know, partially because of the the original pagan roots, but partially just to kind of like it's like a fuck you to Christians because they know that it, that it already is like a holiday with dark associations, you know, in in their lore. So all of that, I think that there, there, that's why a lot of like the traditional costumes, you know, have to again have to do with you know witches. And, you know, pagan kind of superstitions of, you know, black tabby cats and all that stuff. It all goes back, you know, a couple thousand years and and gets twisted into Halloween costumes today. And so there you go. There's the origins. Um, and now we want I want to like like what are the origins of trick or treating? You know, what the hell does this have to do with fucking candy? Well, 2000 years ago, the Celts didn't have any candy, but they did have apples Right. And apples uh, uh, kind of came in because when the Romans came in in the first few centuries, harvest was celebrated by the Romans with a festival dedicated to Pomona, the goddess of the fruits of the tree, especially apples. And then that kind of merged into Sween. So then apples get in to the mix. Sweets get into the mix. And, um, you know, ripe apple was about as close as you got to candy back then. And actually, they say, like, bobbing for apples was maybe celebrated as early as, you know, a couple thousand years ago in some of those Saween kind of uh, festivals. So there we go. There's the bobbing for apples. That's solved. So how does, again, how does this keep morphing into modern trick-or-treating? Well, uh, you know, just like organisms evolve, so do traditions. And this hodgepodge of Roman Celtic Christian harvest celebration morphs into going door-to-door in the Middle Ages when people um, started to kind of like offer sing songs as part of this festival <laughs> for the dead in exchange for food, and at first it wasn't just kids; it was like uh, uh, it's for trick or treating. It says this article I found that the the guising from disguising traditions began in the middle ages. Children, sometimes poor adults, dress up in the aforementioned costumes. You know, co- kind of costumes uh, about uh, you know the dead go around door-to-door door during, uh, you know, the Halloween, and they, <laughs> they beg for food or money in exchange for songs or prayers, often said on behalf of the dead. And this became called souling, and the children were called soulers or the poor grown-ups. And here's an example of an actual, from 19th century Ireland, an actual solar song. Um, I'm going to try and channel my Irish accent, so apologies to Irish people. Uh, let, me, let me warm up. Frosted Lucky Charms, the magically delicious, a soul, a soul, a soul cake, I can't okay. I'm gonna stop. I cannot that's the only phrase I can do in that sing I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it just by myself here. A soul, a soul, a soul cake, please good missus. I can't help myself. Please good missus, a soul cake. Now it's British. An apple, a pear, a plum or a cherry. Any good thing to make us all merry. One for Peter, two for Paul, three for him who made us all. Uh that was like the shittiest uh Dickens-esque british accent while trying to do an irish accent so uh that was horrible but that is the real lyrics how fucking sad is that it trick-or-treating now we know started from poor people begging for food in western europe and um and then oh and by the way uh the soul cake was this actual kind of like little cake it was um also known as a hard cake and there were little round cakes with a cross marked on the top represented a soul being freed from purgatory again all the soul stuff and uh, when you when you eat the cake you free the soul what the fuck The shit people believe um, <laughs> had like nutmeg ginger cinnamon raisin sounds pretty good actually they were little sweet cakes that has to be in my mind the direct origin to candy all right so okay but now where do the tricks come in well i'm getting i am getting there so souling in in the in the UK starts in the 19th century you know, and, and then that that keeps going, that keeps going, and then it makes its way to North America. Um, Scottish and Irish immigrants coming over, they bring their traditions. Uh, you know, they, they bring over just this souling thing. There's a the first reference to it is 1911 in the U.S. Uh, that I could find, or then any historians historians uh, I could find could reference. And then uh, it becomes in the 1920s and 1930s. First in the Western U.S. for some reason this this trick thing just starts to kind of spring up in it, and uh, I guess there was a little bit of a respite during World War II. They took it easy uh, because and actually sugar rations. There was World War II, so that cut down on the the, the candy people could give. So there's no point in doing tricks. But um, the first reference I can find a written reference to tricking was actually in uh, 1927. This edition of the Blackie Alberta Canada Herald. And it says, Halloween provided an opportunity for real strenuous fun. No real damage was done except to the temper of some who had to hunt for wagon wheels, gates, wagons, barrels, etc., much of which decorated the front street. Useful tormentors were at the back door and front demanding edible plunder by the words trick-or-treat, to which the uh, people uh, gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. So that's when people started saying trick-or-treat, maybe in the 20s, and, you know, just kids being dicks. And it spread to parts of the U.K., uh, spread, spread to the U.S. And I definitely, I mean, that was definitely something uh, my kids haven't experienced that, the whole trick-or-treat. But we did do some, like, just horrible, youthful things when uh, growing up in Idaho in Halloween where we would uh, smash pumpkins. That was a big thing. We would just take pumpkins on Halloween, everybody's fucking jack-o'-lanterns, and you would try to steal them and just smash them on the street. And then for a couple of years, uh, we got into egg fights. That was a thing. For like a good five, ten years, you just tried to find other kids dressed up and smash them in the fucking face with an egg. Uh, and then that's, <laughs> that stopped in the, year, in the early 90s when uh, I think it was Johnny Pottinger. I'm going to blame him. launch got uh, like a rocket launcher. One of these old things that was, it was going around when I was a kid where it was like this uh, elastic band tubing, and, and you kind of like a wrist rocket it was called, and it was like a high, high-powered uh, slingshot like very powerful and, and then you went off of the wrist then it went to a thing where you kind of like had two people hold the front or you kind of like anchored the front prongs into the ground and then you could pull back on the tubing like a good literally like 10 feet and you had this little uh, piece of cloth or something that could hold stuff and you could just fucking launch things like I mean people would would, would do these with like little pumpkins and gourds and, and launch stuff over a hundred yards I mean, really, really launched stuff. And then they started doing that with eggs. And then somebody launched a very high-speed egg that hit the band director's kid uh, in the eye. And I want to say, like, it almost put his fucking eye out. <laughs> that would suck. You just got to get some candy. And you just get an egg at, like, 200 miles an hour into your eye. And that was, yeah, it's a trick, man. Ah! Don't be, don't be a killjoy. Just We're just celebrating Halloween. So USA on that man. USA were the ones who really got uh the the fucking trick part started. Okay, so now uh <laughs> uh let's get to the sexy cuz I brought that up earlier like I always wondered when did like you know for for just like the scandalous Halloween costumes get going? And I have a definite answer You know, a lot of times when I'm doing this research it's like you know you got to pick between seven different historians versions. And you kinda go with the one that seems the most legit. And again, I'm no historian. So I'm fucking guessing. If you're like a diehard historian, you probably listen to this stuff and just roll your eyes, being like, Yeah, that's kind of right. Or, eh, yeah, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Uh, and you have a voice yeah, and you have a voice exactly like that. How's that feel, historians? Um, I don't know why I chose that. But anyway, uh I found this Slate magazine article by Juliet Lapidos and says that Greenwich Village 1973. So get, get be proud, New York. 1973 specifically, uh, they started this Halloween kind of promenade. It was like a house-to-house organized by a local puppeteer uh, and mask maker. And it it became like a – really quickly it caught on became like a neighborhood-wide party. So it started off as a small party by somebody who made masks and puppets, and you go door-to-door and kind of really get into Halloween. And then the gay community uh, latches onto it in New York, and then it becomes like this excuse to wear drag outfits – Uh, very rebellious costumes, becomes very sexual, lots of uh, fishnets and all that, Uh, almost immediately bounces out to San Francisco's Castro neighborhood and, you know, WeHo, West Hollywood. And so, you know, gay communities, they plant the seed, and it spreads on enough that it becomes popular enough to get the involvement of retailers. So they kind of, you know, capitalize on the spirit of these parades, and they start making sexy outfits. They got skimpier and skimpier from year to year. Until, you know, like 2006, the New York Times um, quotes, you know, some some, the purchasing director from BuyCostumes.com is saying that that's when the quote-unquote ultra-sexy costumes emerged. And then they they went on to the early aughts, gotten sexier and sexier with uh, Little Bo Peep Show and similar outfits. And, you know, and then it just, so it goes. It just, you know, morphs and morphs. And then this year, uh, for random information, um, Harley Quinn, most popular female uh, costume. And, you know, because of the popularity of the movie Suicide Squad, so it takes, you know, local culture, pop culture references, and, you know, because she wears fishnets. So there you go. We got fucking candy figured out. We got the origins uh, of the thing figured out. We got uh, when the actual getting, going door to door figured out. You know, poor, <laughs> poor people, sad origin, but now it's become fun for kids. And, and we got the origins of, like, pumpkins, you know, like pumpkins. You know, it, it's because, you know, you make jack-o'-lanterns because, you know, they, they've been harvested. They're ripe. It has to do with the pumpkins and the, and the apples and stuff, and that kind of stuff goes back to the actual harvesting uh, early sewing festivals. And there you go. And so, and so let's, uh, and, and this year, just a random reference I, I'm going, I hope you're going to enjoy Halloween. I'm going as an evil bunny, uh, evil bunny rabbit. I have some kind of animatronic, horrible, scary fucking rabbit head that my kids thought suited me. They were the ones that picked it out. My wife, Lindsay, uh, she's going to be an adorable unicorn. Because my kids, Kyler Monroe, thought that's what suited her. So that's interesting. She's a cute unicorn, and I'm a fucked up rabbit. That's honestly what my kids picked out for both of us and what they felt like worked for us. Uh, I also have a sword, some kind of mental patient outfit, so I'm sure I'll have pics on Instagram, at Dan Kemmons Comedy. And and, and they're both going as some uh, form of vampires, Kyler Monroe, which is is fitting because they are uh, continually trying to suck the life out of me. So I guess we all get costumes that we deserve. All right, so what are the five most important things we learned on this Halloween edition of Time Suck that I hope some of you at least were able to listen to before you head out? You can experience Halloween in a whole new way and tell people about where you learned about it. Number one, Halloween started in Ireland, which makes the Irish the fucking kings of cool holidays. Are you kidding me? St. Patrick's Day and Halloween, two holidays that everyone of all races and creeds celebrate. Holidays are about getting drunk, dressing sexy, eating candy, and have no religious overtones. So fucking great job, Ireland. Number two, Halloween has nothing to do with the devil. Uh, So go do your homework, figure that out. Uh, Not true. Number three, uh, it's nice not to celebrate harvest anymore because we have canned food, chemicals, and freezers. Yay, modern chemicals and technology. And On that note, I'm sick of hippies shitting on modern conveniences. Really? You don't like hormones in your milk or pesticides on your veggies? You want to live like the druids? You know, we'll fucking go out there and starve when your dumb crops fail. Have fun with that. Okay, the tradition of uh, trickery started right here in the USA. That's number four. If it didn't, I wouldn't have, to, uh, I wouldn't have gotten to go You know, throw eggs on neighborhood kids back in Riggins. So, USA! USA! And number five, the gays made Halloween sexy. Definitely. That's right, homophobes. Gay men from the 70s are the reason women today dress up as slutty schoolgirls every October. So shut the fuck up with your homophobe thoughts, you silly assholes. And finally, happy trick-or-treating, time suckers. Talk to you next week. (laughs)
0: Dot com slash timesuck.